Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, it's joining us our online affiliates around the world, including our podcast. We're glad you all could be with us as well. Well, If you've been watching the news, you know that hip-hop is celebrating its 50th anniversary. So there's been a lot of conversations, not only about the impact of hip-hop, but also, of course, culture and the history that all of us can be able to share when it comes to it. Next guest is an editor of a book that I really found fascinating. It not only deals with the impact of hip hop, but also the importance of history as well. Uh, we're excited to welcome to our program today, Daniel Jerry. He's the co-editor of the book Illmatic Consequences: The Clapback to Opponents of Critical Race Theory. We're going to talk to Daniel not only about what it's been like for him to see the early response to the book, but also, of course, let you guys know how to be able to get your own copy of it. Daniel, really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for the time. Um, thank you. Thank you, Cyrus. I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, the pleasure is definitely all mine. A lot for us to cover in this book, but I want to begin with an interview that you were able to do, Nanyan, in Chapter 20 of the book. The chapter is Integrity and Responsible Journalism. It was something really fascinating to me that I found there, and I, and I love this line for those who have the print edition on page 256. There it says this, the greatest challenge is ensuring that what you're doing is correct, knowing that there will be people out there who will not want to believe that the myths they grew up with have a reality behind them that may not be as pretty as the myth. In, in that same part, you're talking yeah. about history, especially when it comes to African-American history. What has it been like for you, Daniel, to be able to show the connection between history and also hip-hop? Uh, well, it's been a great experience. I really appreciate the opportunity to not only um, share the history of struggle and the history of um, the progress of African Americans here in the United States, but I'm also glad to sort of um, pair that history along with the development of not only hip-hop culture, but also critical race theory as an academic discipline and Afrofuturism. I think we have Daniel, uh, your 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 co-editor as well, Walter Grayson, joining us as well. Walter, thank you for being with us as well. Glad to have you with us. Great to be with y'all. Thank you for your time this morning. Yeah, definitely appreciate it. I was just talking to Daniel about one of the aspects about talking about history. Walter, what has it been like for you to not only to share, as, as Daniel was saying, not only to share this history, but the connection with with history in general, especially when it comes to what's being said today about critical race theory. This book was so important to work on, and I'm, I will always be grateful to Damien and, and our other collaborators, uh, Ronaldo Anderson and Ayo Sakai. Um, this project has come at exactly the moment that it was needed in that so much of what has been taught as history um, through much of the 20th century and into the 21st century was incomplete. And as we've been able to bring new research into the conversation, this has then sparked the concern and the controversy around critical race theory. And ultimately, it's the misrepresentation of critical race theory. Um, It's really just a civil rights um, legal strategy to use for equal rights for all people. But it's been made into uh, essentially a rhetorical tool 
to attack anything that's related to African-American history or really anything that's not really the history of, of white nationalism and white dominance in the United States. And so that's been, been the biggest challenge is getting people to see through the lies that they're getting from conservative media and then actually opening the door for them to see all of the new research, all of the new data that's been brought to the table, and the kind of art that it's generated. And so that's why Elmatic Consequences was, has been just an extraordinary experience for me. Uh, Walter, I want to ask you a question, and then, Daniel, I want to get your thoughts on this, because I think when people mm-hmm. hear critical race theory, it has almost been something that has been, as you were just alluding to, Walter, hijacked by those with an agenda. Does that surprise you, or is it something that, that we should have expected to happen? Oh, no, this this was to be expected entirely. I mean, one of the things we don't teach is what I refer to as uh, the massive resistance movement that flows out of the Brown decision in 1955-56. And that period of white resistance to including and, and desegregating schools and public spaces persisted up through the early 2000s, persisted through the Senate leadership of Trent Lott. And so this, this attempt to redefine critical race theory and to eliminate the idea of thinking like a civil rights attorney, um, that effort went on for generations. And so this, this is just the latest manifestation of it. And we haven't done a good job of preparing the general public to recognize the propaganda when, when they see it on television or, or on their streaming services or YouTube. So, Daniel, I want to ask you then, has that been part of the work of this book, Ilmatic Consequences, and, and actually educating people as to what critical race theory actually is? Mm-hmm. Um, well, for one, I would like to say that when we're talking about critical race theory, we should talk about the work of Kimberly Crenshaw, and we should talk about the works of Derek Bell. Um, we should start there, and we should also, as Walter is already stated we should look at critical race theory as a way of seeing um as a way of investigating the way that the way that race is created the way that race is created in society because you know we know that race is not biological race is created by society and that's why it affects you know affect us through the society and the places that we live in so that's really first. We should start from there. Also, in terms of the pushback against critical race theory, we should ask ourselves why. Um, why now and why is critical race theory being hijacked? Why is this term being misappropriated? Um, and just looking at the the, the just looking at the, 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 the protests in the wake of the George Floyd murders and not only the protests, but the way that the protests galvanized not only members of African-American communities, but members of other marginalized communities. So I am not surprised at the, 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 the pushback or the attack. Um, also, in relation to hip-hop, um, I think of the way that hip-hop was sort of co-opted and went from being something that was sort of like a grassroots thing, a thing that was like um, they gave voiceless, they gave people who were voiceless um, voices that uplifted them and uplifted their communities, right? So, no, I'm not surprised at all. 
So I want to ask you then, Dania, and then get your thoughts on this as well, Walzer. So when you all approach this project, I mean, because you are able to get different voices, their perspectives, and being able to share some insight on this topic, how did you decide, how did you, the two of you decide who you wanted to kind of not only to, to share in this book, but also what perspective you wanted to get when it comes to discussing this topic? Well, one thing that guided us right from the beginning was we said we did not want to make a book and say, okay, Illmatic Consequences is about critical race theory because that just makes the problem worse, right? Because the people who claim to be fighting against critical race theory, they, are re- they really aren't fighting against the academic discipline, right? They're fighting against a catch-all term that they have used to couch anything that sort of that goes against the people in power and their motivations. So we decided to make a book that analyzes that analyzes um, the misappropriation of the term. Got you. And, and Walter, for so you, side, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, from my side, the, the piece was um, when we put out the call for papers, um, I guess is fall of 21, um, we were basically looking for people who wanted to discuss these issues and raise new questions and provide new solutions to the issues of, of social and racial division, not just in the United States but around the world. And so the biggest priority was to get people who had different tools from various disciplines that could be in dialogue with each other. And the heart of it really was uh, Stacey Robinson's art that is uh, grounded in hip-hop. It's grounded in Afrofuturism. It couldn't exist without the field of black studies. But he had been honored as a Nasir Jones Fellow at Harvard University. And so with that foundation, with that experience of kind of looking at Nas's work and the album Illmatic in particular, that then became the kind of glue that bound together the discussion and gave the book its rhythm, gave it its spirit, so that all the voices wouldn't be um, discordant. They wouldn't be contradicting each other, but they would work together from different perspectives. They would form a chorus that I think readers will take away, a very powerful, not just rational insight, but an emotional insight about the kind of world we need to build going forward in this century. I want to stay with you for a second, Walter, but I want to say for our audience, for those who are just tuning in, he's on the radio side or online. You're listening to Conversations Live. We're already having a great conversation today with Dr. Walter Grayson. You just heard from him there, as well as Danny and Jerry. They are the co-editors of the new book, Illmatic Consequences, to clap back to opponents of critical race theory. We're going to remind you all how you can get your own copy of the book, as well as how you can stay connected with the two of them as well. Uh, Walter, when I was reading the book, I, I was really struck by because I have to admit, I did not know a lot of back to about the two of your backstory before reading the book, but you really gave us a real glimpse into your life in Chapter 8, uh, Walter, and the chapter represent education still groovy but smoother. And you talked about two things I want to talk to you about because I think it, it plays into this conversation. Earlier, Damien mentioned, of course, what happened with George Floyd. You also talk about in the book about what happened with, with Mike Brown as well. But in, the, in your chapter, in Chapter 8, you also address what – is on the, the minds of a lot of people because of what's happening in the news right now, and that is what happened January the 6th. Talk to us about the impact of these different things and how it kind of played into your approach in this book. Absolutely. So uh, as I talk about in that chapter, um, I, I attended a school growing up where I was the only African-American, and 
was just experiencing constant um, harassment, you know, abuse. You know, it wasn't the totality of the experience, but it was a recurring part of it. And in a couple of those incidents, you know, students tried to drown me in a school swimming pool. In another incident, you know, a few months later, a group of students cornered me in a classroom and, and jumped me, beat, beat me down. And so, like, the, the, the effort to understand how violence is tied to racism was, was literally forced into my, into my body um, before I was a teenager. And so coming up and eventually choosing the path as an educator, choosing to become a scholar and a historian, I was determined um, through my, my college and graduate school years to eventually teach what I had learned about the link between violence and racism, that, that you know, a lot of people in the 90s felt like the L.A. riots were the only kind of riots that had ever happened in U.S. history, that the only riots were the riots of black people burning their communities in response to police brutality in the 1960s. And so I drafted a course that I taught at Drexel University in, like, 2002 that was basically focused on collective racial violence. And I basically told the story in that class. It was a 10-week course, you know, three hours a night, once a week, where I showed this group of students that the history of racial violence was lynching. It was where different white populations, immigrant populations, attacked and dispossessed black people in the way that many people now are aware of that took place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so changing that narrative ultimately came to a head in 2017 after the Charlottesville riot where people were saying online, oh, we've never seen anything like this. This is not who the United States is. And I countered that with a series of, of posts on, on Twitter that said, you know, no, this is exactly what this country is. The violence is always the ultimate tool of racism. And so, of course, January 6th is another expression of that. They, those folks only gather to attack that capital to assert the traditional authority of white Christian men. That should never be questioned. And so that is the recurring theme. That is the definitive form of patriotism and nationalism that has prevailed in this country for almost 250 years. And so that is the story that ends up coming out of that particular chapter, is that we need to confront the violence that is the main tool of racism, and it shapes incarceration. It shapes our surveillance state. Until we uproot all of that violence, we will never have what is promised by the Declaration of Independence. We'll never have our inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is a, such an important conversation. Daniel, I want to bring you back in because one thing that struck me having mm-hmm. hosted this show now for the past 20 years here out of Mississippi and being able to have conversations about about coverage of events and, and what gets attention, what doesn't, you have a really fascinating conversation, Daniel, with uh, Harry Allen in the book. And I want to talk mm-hmm. about that because it does show in Chapter 12, and this is a an interesting thing for, for me uh, because, and I, and I really want us to talk about this for a second, and that is the role of media in all of this. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think there are a lot of people, and I will put myself in that. I'm also the news director for the station here in Mississippi, WYAD. I, we try to make sure that news mm-hmm. stories are covered, covered first of all, then covered fairly. But you do talk about uh, in that chapter about why the media has also failed in this and in some ways has been complicit in what's been happening. Talk to us about mm-hmm. that, Daniel, if you don't mind, and what we need to think about, especially those of us in media, when it comes to not only coverage but also accurate, uh, accurate coverage. Okay, so um, first, the whole the 
the argument, the the misappropriation of the word critical race theory of CRT can actually be traced to the Tucker Carlson show, right? And Mark Rufo's appearance on that show, um, describing critical race theory as a existential threat to the United States. It's after Mark Rufo's appearance on Tucker Carlson. Um, after that, you have the the, the executive order passed by Donald Trump. Um, advising against critical race theory and prohibiting it within government training facilities where they train government employees on diversity and inclusion. So right there, um, just that's that's the that's the start of it. Now, as far as uh, media goes, media is such a powerful powerful tool, right? Because we look to the news and we look to media for information, and people look to media for truth. So when you have media outlets that are compromised and weaponized against the people, like, they can do a lot of damage. And what we've seen over the past couple of years, like since then, we've seen political campaigns actually be able to take root from that. So we've seen the the misappropriation and the manufactured argument, the straw man argument. We've seen that go from the news media to actual public policy that's um, on the books. Like, for instance, we have, the, in, I'm, I'm in Tennessee, and there is, a new a new bill, Tennessee House Bill thirteen seventy six, right? It's following on the heels of legislation in Florida. But this bill is called the Higher Education Freedom of Expression Act. But what it is is actually a bill that is supposed to that is meant to censor what it, what they are calling divisive concepts in college classrooms. So it's funny because, like, in the beginning they started out saying, okay, well, we're worried about the minds of our children and our babies. But they've gone on from that to take this, to take their arguments not only from high school classrooms to college classrooms in an effort to curate education and to control the narrative. So in short, the importance of media has to do with the importance of narrative the importance of history as it is written and presented. So, Damien, what is your hope as people read this book? And I think people will come to it for different reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Some will come of it because Mm of, one thing, their love of history. Uh, One, because of Mm -hmm. wanting to get a better understanding. Others, just because of wanting to hear different perspectives of this conversation. But what is your hope that readers Mm -hmm. take away from the book, Damien? I hope that readers take away, number one, an actual understanding of what critical race theory is but and what it is not. And I also want readers to take away, to take away modes and techniques that they can use in their everyday lives. I want teachers to be able to learn different teaching strategies that they can use to combat this misinformation campaign. Uh, I also want people to realize that culture can be used to reclaim humanity. It also can be used to claim freedom. Right. Hold on, are you there? Yes, I'm there. 
Um, okay, okay. Just right. finish on that. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, I was finished, but I want to just add a little bit more. Um, so when I say reclaiming freedom, reclaiming humanity in the same way that Derek Bell did, um, from not only his legal practice but also his fiction writing as well, um, the same way that hip hop helped reclaim our humanity, coming from like the, the the impoverished communities of the South Bronx and Harlem to spreading around the world and uplifting us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, appreciate that. What about for yourself, Walter? What is your hope when people pick up Illmatic Consequences? What do you hope readers take away from it? Um, new questions in pursuit of new answers, that they don't fall back into the ways that they were thinking prior to encountering the text. So it, it's amazing to listen to the voice of Derek Bell, even if you just check him out on YouTube or Kimberly Crenshaw in the same way. But then to turn that into the way that you tell your own story about your life, that you start to look back at the conditions that you face, that you, your parents faced in making decisions as, as you were growing up, that you then to pass those on to your children and help them draw pictures and tell the stories of their own as they become young human beings and, and grow into their young adulthood that we pass the stories along, especially from the last section, from the consequences section, where you're connecting with the stories that Nas puts together on Elmatic. But really in this month of hip-hop's 50th anniversary, any hip-hop storytelling, that you're able to use those kinds of artistic tools to then tell your own story, to get your own message out in a way that actually builds stronger communities and welcomes people from different perspectives into the conversation in your life. Such an important conversation. I'm so glad the two of you were able to help compile this um, for all of us to be able to read, reflect on, and to share. Again, everyone, Dr. Walter Grayson and Danian uh, Ajeri, uh, the co-editors of Illmatic Consequences, the clapback to opponents of critical race theory. The book's available through our friends at Amazon.com. It's published by Universal Right Publications, LLC. You can also go to their website. Uh, Danian, I'll start with you. How can our audience stay connected with you? Um, they can stay connected with me on Twitter. Um, I'm there posting every day. Um, I'm there talking every day and conversing about all kinds of subjects from hip-hop to history to my my current academic studies. So, Damien Jerry uh, at Twitter. All right. And, Walter, what about yourself? How can our audience stay connected with you? Yeah, the best spot to stop through is my website. It's uh, Walter D. Grayson, G-R-E-A-S-O-N.com. You can sign up for a newsletter on that site. You can also catch me through Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn is also a good site where I distribute a lot of opportunities. Um, I just had a call with someone this morning looking for a new job, looking for new, new ways to make money. A lot of my work is economic empowerment. So finding a way that you contact me through the website, through Twitter, through Facebook, through LinkedIn, um, Instagram. Instagram is my new platform. So you can always get me there, Walter D. Grayson, G-R-E-A-S-O-N. Well, thanks to the two of you for the time and the great work here. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to speaking to the two of you again. Anytime. All right, thank you. Great. Welcome. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let's go make today amazing. Take care. <laughs>